Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. This is the podcast where I sit down with a friend, we watch an episode of The Facts of Life, and then we hit record and talk about it. A lot. My name is David Almeida. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and I love the chance to talk about this show that I love so much, and I love the opportunity to introduce to you, my twos of listeners, the amazing, talented people that I know, work with, and call my friends. My guest this week is Rob Zeiser. Rob is a fellow Disney actor, a former Ringling Clown, a brilliant physical comedian, and just an altogether super fun friend. And I'm really happy he was able to come and do the show. The episode we watched was Season 2, Episode 4, entitled Who Am I? This is an episode where Tootie is questioning her connection to her ethnic roots as uh, an African-American. So, who better to discuss it than two middle-aged white guys, right? Yeah. Anyway, that's the beauty of the randomness of the way I get my guests on this show. So, let's jump on in. This is me with Rob Zeiser. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages. I've heard that before. Boys and girls and others. And others, everyone else who's listening. (laughs) Nowadays, that's very important that we include the others. Yes. It's Rob Zeiser. Hello. Good afternoon, David. Good to see you. Good to have you here. Welcome. My former co-worker friend. Yes, exactly. We were first introduced at the Citizens of Hollywood. Citizens of Hollywood, yes, Down at Hollywood Studios, and um, it is... I played the lovable Frenchman. You don't hear that very often. <laughs> Lovable Frenchman, you know? Yes. That's an oxymoron, I think. Yes, you were good friends with... Um, ben Appetit. Ben Appetit. He was the caterer to the stars. And very French. Very French. Mm-hmm. Who, who actually wasn't French at all. And he wasn't. That was his foible. Was it really? That the, he was faking? Yes, he was from New Jersey, actually. Shut up. Yes. I, we worked together for the like four years, I believe. Yeah, you yeah. were there for five, and I think I came in a year after yes, you did. Yes, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So we worked together four years. I never knew that he was not real French. He that's was not great. really French, yeah. Wow. Um, so we just watched season two, episode four, called Who Am I? Who Am I? Who am I? Who As Betty am David. I? Who am and I? It... <laughs> so let's start with your history with the show. You and I are close in age. I believe I am. I am 53 years old. Okay. I never know if people are sensitive about that. So no, you are... I was born in 1965. Okay. Three years older than I am. Okay. So three years difference. I was 11 when the show premiered. So you would have been 14. 14. Yes. Ish. And did you watch the show? Yes, I did. And religiously. Was it, and, and religiously. It was yes. important to you. Because I'm, I'm going to be honest. Yep. When I was in sixth grade, uh-huh. I had a crush on Blair, but she wasn't Blair at the time. She was Lisa on the on the new, uh, new Mickey Mouse Club. The new Mickey Mouse Club. Absolutely. And I had a crush on Lisa when I was in sixth grade. So that I, I would have went. And honestly, that's the reason why I watched. I actually watched The Facts of Life. Uh-huh. Because, because of Lisa. Because you remembered her and recognized yes. her. Yep. I will show yes. you pictures of her and you will you won't believe it. She looks fantastic. Okay. Yes. Right. I'm gonna have to Google her. Yeah. I'm gonna use the Google. Use the Google. So let's get into this episode. This episode now I'm curious now I like I I 
it's interesting watching this episode mm -hmm. because I used to watch it as a teenage boy with a, a yep. crush on Lisa. Yep. Now I'm a 53-year-old man who hasn't seen the show in decades. Sure. And I'm surprised at the social impact of the storyline and i'm just curious were all episodes like that or was it just the random every fifth one was like like what is was this what it was known for or did we just happen to catch an episode that that dealt with like a, a heavy subject matter i i think the answer to both of those questions is yes the first season of the show was a hot mess and they didn't quite know what they were doing. It was thrown together quickly. And they tried to kind of address, oh, this girl is starving herself so she can fit into a dress. And let's uh, talk about body image. Now, when did but when did sitcoms when did sitcoms go there? Uh, I will tell you in one name. Norman Lear. Norman Lear. Yeah, okay. All in the uh, family. Is this a Norman Lear show? Or he was he was, yes, it he is. He set the standard. Really, all in the family is the Big all in the family. I remember Many, one day at a time. That's a Norman Lear. Okay, because I remember the suicide episode of mm -hmm. one day at a time, and it was a double episode. Yeah, oh, like yeah. wait, you can't leave us hanging. <laughs> I know, so <laughs> wait, bad jokes, raw <laughs> bad jokes. I, I did not mean that. <laughs> There's there is a suicide episode of this coming up next season. And in Facts of Life? A Facts of Life. Wow. But they deal with... I don't recall it. Well, I was a young kid that yeah. was unaware of this. We have, um, we've already dealt with a date rape episode. We have um, an episode where Natalie is almost attacked and raped by a stranger. So the girls go to a self-defense course. And um, wow. we deal with Blair's mother turns up pregnant late in life. Blair is better part of 20 years old and her mother in her 50s turns up pregnant and uh -oh. is saying i want to terminate the pregnancy and blair uh -oh. is blair basically convinces her mother to have another child uh, but it's you know norman lear maud yeah. maud right. remember yeah. got yeah. A, an abortion that was yeah. scandalous yeah. beyond anything that's true yes okay now that you mentioned it but yeah. it's because of in 1960, it was either 69 or 70 that All in the Family premiered. Yeah. That was when sitcoms became socially relevant, socially conscious and dealing with real issues because mm. we were going through, I mean, they talk about summer 69, what we were, the cultural revolution, mm. we were going, they couldn't put on another flying nun yeah. in 1970. Uh -huh. That would have been vulgar. Yeah. to not somehow address what was really happening. Well, sitcoms, I, I guess, now that you, you, you mentioned this, before mm -hmm. before All in the Family and everything, yeah. sitcoms were the escape. Exactly, yes. The, the Andy Griffith show. Was, Lucy. Was, yeah, it, yeah, that was the escape from what's going on mm -hmm. in the world. Now... It is the world. We're it, they were dealing with the world. Okay. Yeah. Now, right. now, now the world is a reality show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you could say, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But um, you bring up the socially conscious thing because this is a, a 2D episode. Yes. This is a rare episode because it deals directly with 2D's blackness. Mm. And yes. that is one thing they didn't do. Very. It's very rare. They might give her a, a black tinged joke mm. like oh it's always been tough for my people first miss jane Pittman, and now me that was what we heard last week. right there will be little thing you know i demand to be bused to a better room little sort of 
you know, allusions to that, but nothing major big time. Similarly, they didn't do fat episodes about Natalie. They never, mm. they had her eating. Well, they had, this episode, they had her eating. They did. The and tangerines. She had, tan but tangerines. Can't just let them sit there. <laughs> and that was about the size of the laugh you got from the audience. Yeah. Well, you know what I noticed about the this particular episode was some, some jokes didn't work. No. And, and, and. But sitcoms nowadays, they they fill it in. They they put the laughs in. They'll they'll enter the laughs. Whereas this episode, if a joke didn't work, it didn't work, and it was obvious it didn't work. And also, the jokes because of the 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 subject matter of of, of 2D's blackness and yeah. their heritage, the black jokes didn't work. In this no. episode, they really missed the mark. The jokes that missed the mark the most were... Yeah. And um, I think it's a good thing that they didn't try to go there very often. Mm -hmm. Norman Lear had already been through a difficult time with, with good times. And I generally think this is a good episode. Yeah. I do like it. And yeah. this is right on par with... Uh, the season two, we've already had three solid episodes now in its new format. Mm -hmm. And, and this, Joe was a lovely addition. Joe is magnificent. And this episode is the first one where she is now a supporting player. She has been absorbed into the fabric of the show. Mm. This is a 2D show. Everything previous to this was kind of like, we got to make sure to highlight her, put her in the foreground, mm, right. get her established. Yeah. But now she is there on the sidelines, cracking-wise, making commentary, just as the deftly. New York, being a New Yorker, the, the New York accent is a little put uh, on. Yeah. Um, the D's and the T's, the 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 doing the D's guys. It was oh, it was too much. Uh, just like Blair's, oh, I'm so snobby and stuck yeah. up. It was a little too much, but... It, it's still new, and the characters, I think, yeah. over time will would yeah. absorb back into... And and they do, absolutely. Yeah. We watch it happen. But for this, it really is yet another really, I think, a good episode in its message, Yeah. only with some missteps in its execution. Mm. Um, the beginning of the episode starts with... Um, Mrs. Garrett being drunk? Mrs. Garrett, is no, she, she always acts like that. Yeah, but maybe she acts like that because she's drunk. <laughs> no, no, she's, no, she's not. not drunk. No. There's no history of Mrs. <laughs> Garrett drinking. She, We saw her on but, champagne but, in one episode. But wasn't... Now, Why do you say that? Now she was the cleaning lady on Different Strokes, yeah, right? She, this is a spinoff. She cleaned their toilets, yes. But wasn't she a drunk on Different Strokes? Wasn't that part of her character? I don't think so. Okay. I don't remember. I can't say I, I wholeheartedly. Could, I could be wrong. I could be adding that. I don't know. She was more the side, the sassy housekeeper, yes. the wisecracking side character. Right. I and don't was, believe. Was she so popular that the public demanded her own show? Uh, the show was so popular because of Gary Coleman. Right. And the network had nothing. The network was in the shitter. And Different Strokes was the only new show that season that cracked the top 30. Oh, okay. And they were like, well, spin something off from that. Maybe there's something else there that we can mine uh, out of it. And it was a Norman Lear show. And it, was, it was a Norman Lear show. If it's, if anybody can make a successful spinoff, yeah. Norman Lear. Right. He was the king and of the spinoffs. He was. And he, and he 
almost didn't with this, but yeah. they corrected course and and how. All right. Okay. So the very first thing we hear is uh, Tootie and Natalie running into the cafeteria, and um, Tootie is saying to Natalie, "Stop stalling! Stop being such a chicken!" And they're making chicken sounds and bakak and. Yeah. Mrs. Garrett has to chime in with, girls, the bacock stops here. Right. Ah, the bark. Because <laughs> Charlotte Ray's voice, lovely enough. Lovely. lovely. Let's have her doing chicken sounds. Yes. We need to enhance it like that. Yes. Um, what's, what is happening is... Ha, there's a, did she ever do Sweeney Todd? No. She seems like... The she type. would have been a Mrs. Lovett. Yes. She did do Mrs. Peachum in Three Penny Opera oh. back in the 50s with, okay. with B. Arthur. Right. And she has a very operatic, higher voice. Right, right. Uh, so she could have done, absolutely. She I, could I, have sung I in her, her day. I see her in that role, yeah. Yeah, she was probably a little, because Sweeney Todd was, it was now. Sweeney Todd was like 79. Oh. Actually, this is the time. she If if Charlotte Ray had not gotten this show... She'd be on Broadway doing she would have Sweeney been, Todd. She would have replaced Angela Lansbury. All right. Absolutely. We There is an alternate universe where that absolutely happens. Because she's an Angela Lansbury type. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A, a little earthier. Not as... Angela Lansbury's more classy. Yeah. Whereas Mrs. Garrett's a little more salt of the earth. And, not, not in a bad way, just... Right. Okay. You know, you wouldn't cast Angela Lansbury to clean the toilets in the Drummond's house, I don't think. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yes, I agree with um, that. Yeah. So the deal is, Natalie is dragging her feet over asking this boy, Alan, to the big upcoming dance. Mm. And um, and there's a dance competition. Competition coming up. And that she won. La- oh, Natalie. I'm sorry. Yes. Tootie it's won. very important. Right. Yeah, Tootie won the dance competition right. the last couple of years, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, But right now, it's all about the, the way into this episode is Natalie is dragging her feet over asking this boy. Mm-hmm. I need to pause. Yes. Because something happens with this episode. I didn't notice it the others. But the girls' makeup, for all the greatness of the writing of this season and subsequent ones, something goes wrong with the makeup. Hmm. And I noticed when Natalie was talking, all of the girls have purple eyeshadow on. <laughs> all of the girls have a little too much blush, like uh. noticeable blush. Uh. And uh, all of them have on lip gloss. Uh. And it's like they all look made up. And they all, I believe, have the same colors. Like they all have the same uh. purple eyeshadow. They don't even have specific makeup for the specific complexions. Uh. And I, I think we're going to explore this more as I go on with the show. But <laughs> of course, you this are. This is the important shit. <laughs> it's very. <laughs> this is so important, Rob. To you. Yes. <laughs> so, and to everyone listening, I feel you are seen. I see you, people listening who actually care about that. <laughs> Uh, so we have a young boy uh, walk in to the cafeteria. Yes. This young boy happens to be African-American. Yep. And he says that he is there to restock the candy machine. Yes. His name is Fred. Fred. Is, is that a teen? He's probably, how old do you think he is? Is he, he, he like 15, would you say? He's a teenager. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he comes in and... This episode was written by Linda Marsh and Margie Peters, the two women who really are the ones who fixed the show. Mm. But we do have a bit of, um, like, Barbara Billingsley jive talk in it, where it's 
it does smell quite a bit of white people trying to write black sort of dialogue for black people. And including things like, he says, I'm so together, I don't know where I begin or where I end. Mm. And and he's doing it like fluffing his hair, like right. playing that sort of young In a swap. Blair kind of way. Yeah, it's a wonder Blair didn't go for him. Yeah. Really. Um, so there is a little bit of that. That, I think, is part of what you were talking about with the show. Some stuff does work, doesn't. He sells it. I believe him. And... Um, I don't think... Who, do is, have... who is the actor that played him? Did he go on? Do we have any kind of... His name is Eric Moses. Eric with a K. E-R-I-K. Like Eric Estrada. That's how Eric Estrada... Yes. And he has... His last credit is on a show called... Oh, it's on Valerie. The Valerie Harper Show. Ah. Uh, in 1989, he was on A Different Strokes. He was on A Hill Street Blues. And he was on A Trapper John. And that is it. He has five IMDb... Uh, main credits one two three four five yeah okay so he did not go on he didn't continue with this he had a run of some sitcoms in the 80s yep okay. absolutely right. um he comes in and he is restocking the candy machine right now this candy machine i previously had said i thought it was a cigarette machine when we were meeting the new set in the early episode because it looked like a cigarette machine can i make a comment on the set Please do. <clears throat> There's a giant coffee maker. Yes. Yes. It's huge. The coffee machine. Yes. How much coffee? Okay. <laughs> Let's assume that 11-year-old girls <laughs> actually drink coffee. Yeah. To, to graduation, to like 17, 18. Right. Yeah. How much coffee can they possibly actually drink? I, I, it's... Yeah. And it's a it's one of those old fashioned nineteen seventies coffee machines where the cup comes down the little <laughs> hole in it. It's where the cup comes down and you actually watch the liquid pour into it. It's it's one of those like you're in the cafeteria. You couldn't just they don't have a Mister Coffee machine where they yeah. would just make it. And, and again, it's it's children. You it's, don't feed coffee to children. Yeah, yeah. They, I I don't get it either. It was huge and it was obvious. It was right in the middle of every scene. Yeah, it's in the far left and yeah. the next machine over, mm. which in this episode has now become the candy machine and I believe it stays such. Okay. It had been a pastry machine the last two or three uh, episodes. All right. And I still, it to me, it looked like a cigarette machine and I would have loved it to know mm. that there was a cigarette machine okay. in the girls' storm, in the girls' um, rec room. <laughs> that would have That would have made me so happy. <laughs> For such well, ridiculousness, a cup of coffee and a smoke. Yeah, what? What else is there to do when you're there, 14? Exactly. That's <laughs> that's what I did when I was 14. At a girl. <laughs> so um, he is a suave, confident, attractive young man, and Tootie is immediately smitten. Then Blair and Joe show up, and they have a sketchbook, and they say, "Tootie, you left your sketchbook in the library." Um, I will say Blair and Joe coming in at this point, all four girls are wearing their school uniforms because they go to a girl's school. Right. There was a time in season one you did not see barely a uniform because they were all in short shorts and tight tops and being overly sexualized by the male producers. Ah. So this is one of those like, oh, what a refreshing visual to yeah. be at the school cafeteria yeah. with these girls in their uniforms. Hallelujah. Mm. It turns out on this pad, Tootie had some dress designs. It was part of an art project, 
and the teacher was letting her do some sort of uh, fashion thing because apparently Tootie has uh, some art skills. Yes, and design skills. Yes, and she says, it's okay, uh, I would love to make this dress as part of the project, but I don't have any money to buy any material. And Blair, quickly at the counter, turns around, and I believe for the first time in this series, Blair says, well, it's time for one of my brilliant ideas. <laughs> That's Blair's catchphrase. Ah. And remember, Norman Lear loves catchphrases. Yeah. Ever since Dynamite. Dynamite. And Tootie, who does not have a, we are in trouble, because there's not really trouble in this episode. Mm. But um, Blair's brilliant idea is her father... Uh, David Warner of Warner Textiles uh, apparently sent her some awesome fabric from Hong Kong. Just by coincidence. Like you do. Yeah. But here's the thing. Because her dad does work in textiles and fabric, you do believe it. It's not one of those, oh, my father happens to have a violin factory and he sent me some violin bows. Yeah, right. It's, you know, it was absolutely organic It's and within believable. the reality of the script. In yes. the in the Facts of Life cinematic universe. <laughs> Or as I call it, the F-O-L-C-U. You could say that again. <laughs> um, so Tootie is like, cool, I'm going to make this dress. And Blair says, it's great. You get your project and I get a fabulous new dress to wear to the dance. We're bringing it back to the dance. Right. But yet she doesn't make the dress that they agreed on. Or Not yet. Not yet. In, okay. I mean, we're, we're Am not, I jumping ahead here? You're, you're jumping ahead. I, I'm terribly sorry. Yes. No, that's okay. I'll forgive you this time. <laughs> So um, an interesting point when Blair points out, you're not going to need to use that much of the fabric. She says, I'm only a size seven. That's big. That's Hollywood big. Yeah. Size seven is everyday human being. Normal size. Perfectly normal. And Lisa Welchel probably is a size seven. But it is so shocking to hear a woman on a television show say she's a size seven. And brag about it. And that, because that's slim. Yeah. And... It was like, wow. I mean, that's good. That's yeah. refreshing. I'm glad yeah. other girls are able to hear this. Right. But it's like, you know, on Friends, I think they were like, you know, a two. Mm. Like, you know, Monica and Rachel. And uh, Kathy Griffin is a six. Mm. And she says when she goes to do a photo shoot, they bring in the, the samples from the designers, the clothing designers. They're made for the models. And the models are zeros and twos. Yeah. And they act like Kathy Griffin is Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. For being a size six. Yeah. So just pointing out that Blair Warner is a size seven. She's a seven. Yes. Now, how old was Lisa Welchel at this time? Do we know? 17. She, that was her real age. Her real age is 17. Blair, I think, is a year or maybe a year and a half younger. Okay. So she's playing a little younger. Mm. Joe is playing a little bit older. She's 14, playing yeah. mid-16 to 17. Yeah. Um, I should say mid-15 to 16. So let's say Blair and Joe meet somewhere in the middle around 16. Okay. Because they are the same year. Right. And then Natalie is a year younger. Tootie is a year younger than that. Um, so it. then we get talking about the dance and the big dance contest that yes. Tootie has won the last several years. Yes. And Tootie, and they say, oh, Tootie and Carl always Car win the contest. Always. And Carl couldn't wait. No, he was he was on board when oh, we meet him later. Totally on board. But Tootie does one of those, like, um, I forget how they do it. It's that thing of it gives her an opening to do a little clap, a point, and a spin and a turn. Like, Tootie does a little dance step to demonstrate yeah. the fact yeah. that they won 
that you know what a great dancer and it she gets is. a round of applause it gets a round of applause and she didn't sell it though I'm not sure it was deserved round of applause no. no no just gonna throw that out there yeah. um then mrs garrett starts talking about she was once the jitterbug queen and the, she starts i was at a coronation you <laughs> it was a lovely affair <laughs> oh jesus um so anyway um she it's a little bit for charlotte ray to do where she is doing a little bit of singing and doing a little bit of moving around um mrs garrett very slim now last season we were relying a little bit on the fat woman moving around mm. physicality hilarity and this one she she sells it it's fine it's good yes not not the greatest uh joke and then the girls all leave and tootie for some reason, in order to get Fred all to herself, asks Mrs. Garrett to clear out of the cafeteria. And she went along with it. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're a 13-year-old girl. Yes. With a handsome young man. I'll leave now. I'll, be, I'll leave you to I'll leave you to it. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> nice chaperone. Clearly someone isn't a chaperone. Someone's a dietitian now. She's taken her job description very seriously. <laughs> but yeah, I feel the same way. So, um, so we go into the into the parlor or the rec room there on the side, which is technically a separate room where it's the like, cigarette machine is. Where the cigarette machine, okay, right. but it's now the candy machine. That's okay. what Fred is filling. Right. And Fred is there in his 19, 1980... Uh, up all the way up to his waist jeans, the seam running in the crack of his ass. Yes, the post bell bottoms. Yes, not really bell bottoms, but there's Ish. flare. I think they called them flare yeah, they were jeans at this flare. Point. Yeah, do you remember the flare oh, era of jeans? Lord of ocean. And anyway, bell bottoms. It's yeah. Oh yeah, I remember. Yes. I was a little young, but I remember. Yeah. Um, and Tootie is Tootie is checking out his ass. It's right there on display in these pants. Yes. And Tootie is checking it out. Mm-hmm. And um, he asks her, do you have any sisters here? And Tootie's like, no, but I've got two, two, brothers, at two brothers at home. Yeah. And I need to figure out, do we ever meet those brothers? We have to, I have to do a little research. In the if, end. Does uh, that, is that canon? Does that remain that Tootie has two brothers? Uh, I have to, I'm not sure. Hmm. We met her father in season one, I have to I have to re-reference that. Okay. Um, and he, for all intents and purposes, is asking her, "Are you the only black girl here? Yeah. Are there other black girls here? Why are all your friends white? Yes. And do you think? I mean, this is pretty progressive of him, but a little on the bigoted side as well. It, he basically is asking her, "Do you think you're really getting?" the education you should be getting surrounded by white people. Mm. And honestly, that's a valid question. That is absolutely a valid question that a family of color should ask themselves before putting their daughter into a school that is predominantly white privileged right. kids. So he's he's not off base to at least be doing a little bit of probing in this respect. All right, questioning it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Are you Are you with me? Do you agree with that? Yeah. Um. Yes, but could it also be misguided? Could it be out of place? Well, like, what's his background? Where Where's he coming from? Yeah. Well, we later learn that it's going to come to a further extreme. It's mm. going to. It, he is going to take it too far. Right. And um, 
But at this point, with him just asking about, uh, he is asking her, and um, he is being a little pointed about it. And Tootie is clearly on the defensive. Yes. And she is beautifully playing the fact that you can tell that she is playing like, I feel like I'm being accused of something and I don't know what I did. Uh. And Well, I think the sweetness and the innocence uh-huh. of Tootie um, gets cracked open. Yeah. And, and she, he, for the first time, makes her question her place yeah in society not just in the school but in society and and if she was a 13 year old girl growing up in a school in that atmosphere yeah at 13 that that those are big questions to be asking yeah so for the episode to be called um who, who am, am i, I? Mm-hmm. um it's 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 very interesting and also there's what if i can jump ahead a little bit there's one scene where where she lashes out and she tears up and, and yeah. there's like good acting in yeah. that in that moment. Oh, uh, sure. So even though she's 11 years old, the actress is 11 yeah. years old playing a 13 year old character. There, there was some good acting that she's, was revealed be, because this little, this little girl is dealing with some heavy, heavy social issues. Yeah. And so, and possibly being pushed into dealing with them mm. maybe before she's ready maybe before her time you could argue that yeah um so what we get with this i i concur kim fields is a great actress and she was great last season when she was 10 mm. and i believe she was nine when she was cast like uh. she she always kim fields interview says i started when i was nine uh. um but i think she was 10 by the time they went to Broadcast. tape with the first episodes yeah. um and uh, beautifully constructed here, he asks her, you know, well, how do they treat you here? And she says, I am treated like an equal here. Yeah. At which point Blair runs in with the material and says, okay, so the, bre- the the dress you're going to make me, I think I like this sketch the best. I think the Ampere waist with the spaghetti straps is la, 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 that's wonderful. And um, <laughs> as she leaves, Blair in the most perfectly clueless Blair kind of way. <laughs> privileged Blair kind of way turns to him and says, oh, she is a gem, which is a very common thing why people say about their cleaning lady, about yeah. their, their, you know, their Puerto Rican nanny or whatever. Oh, she's a gem. That's such a mm. white people trope. And, you know, and it was a good, it landed. I yeah. think it landed as far as that. And so he's like, oh, really? They're your equal. And Tootie, again, on the defensive is like, I said I was going to make this dress for her. This is, I'm doing this because I want to. Right. And she's officially getting mad. And he finally softens. It's like, dude, you're trying to seduce her. Read the room. She is, you're, <laughs> it's like, he's really pushing her well, hard. Well, is he trying to seduce her? Because from what I can tell, she was trying to seduce him. But, yeah, but if it's, if it's reciprocal, the thing is, he finally does say, um, a I would foxy, just, you're a foxy. Yeah, yeah, he goes, you're a foxy chick, and I'd hate to see you fading. Mm. And then she turns, mm. and he's, she's like, "Well, I guess you're right that I am foxy," <laughs> which is a lovely little moment. And, um, and then there is uh, back to 
how do the young people talk? Let's write young people lines and black people lines. Be cool, girl. We just rapping. Right. It's like, okay. Um, and maybe maybe they did talk like that. I guess mm. knowing that two white women, at least it was women, two white women wrote this. And, and there's probably a room full of white writers contributing. Well, when, when sitcoms first start, the writers are, are they're writing for the characters. Mm-hmm. And then after a sitcom has established itself, they, they begin to write for the actor. Oh, that's a good observation. Yes. and That and, is absolutely right. And what's comfortable for the actor as that character. You're right. So this is still early in. Yeah. In the run of the sitcom, so they're they're probably still writing for the character as opposed to writing yeah. for the actor. And they're writing for the characters for the first time. Yeah, we've had a whole half a season where that was barely happening. Right. And so I think that's a good assessment. And that I've always said, isn't it funny how typically on TV shows, if you have an actor who has a Broadway background, mm. they'll always end up in some type of a musical number where they sing and dance. <laughs> even though they don't, you know, at first. Yeah. The only exception to the rule I can think of, I mean, even Mrs. Garrett, even Charlotte Ray sings in, in this and everything, but... Um, and she dances. And she danced. The jitterbug. The jitterbug. We see it later. Um, Mary Tyler Moore mm-hmm. never sang huh. on The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Ah. She sang as Laura Petrie. Ah. And but I didn't know she was a singer. Yeah. Did you watch Mary Tyler Moore? Yes, of course. The final episode was the first sitcom that had a finale. No. Oh, si- you're. That was the first finale for sitcom. Yeah. And then that kind of became the trend. Yeah. To have a finale. Usually yeah. they would just end. <laughs> yeah. They would film the last episode and it was over. Yeah, well, it wouldn't get picked up. They right. would. They wouldn't know. They wouldn't but know. But this, yeah. they decided to end it. So yep. they were like, "We can do this on our terms." That yes, was, and it was brilliant. Yeah, and and if if I can uh, contribute a little uh, uh, information as Please. far as sitcoms, you brought up Mary Tyler Moore, uh-huh. um, in the Dick Van. D- I was named after the Dick Van Dyke Show. My name is Robert, Rob. and my sister's name is Laura. Shut up. Yeah. I did. I think I knew your sister's name was Laura because mine is Lauren, yeah. and Robin Laura. Robin Laura. We were shut up. We were named after the Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> that was my parents' favorite show. Wow. Yes. I love that. And I had an opportunity when I was in Los Angeles. I ran into Rosemary <gasps> at at a antique R- shop. R- Rosemary. Rosemary. I'm yeah. sorry. Yes, Rosemary. Um, at an antique shop yeah. in Burbank. Sure. And she was. Elderly and and in and a talking wheelchair. in that gruff voice of hers. Yes, and yes. she was in a wheelchair, and she had a very young, very gay caretaker. Of course, and uh, she had the bow in her hair. Bless her heart. The black one that was the for black, her dead that husband. Was, that was the black bow. That was her armband. That was her equivalent. Oh, yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, because her her husband died, who was the love of her life, and he died fairly young. Mm. And um, there's a great documentary on. Um, Amazon Prime. Yes. It's called Wait for Your Laugh. Okay. And it's the Rosemary... Uh, uh, Rosemary. Rosemary yeah. story, starting with her vaudeville days, which yeah. I didn't even know about. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. But continue. You ran into her in a thrift store I, with a very gay caretaker. Uh, yes. And I I told her that I was named after ah. the, the Dick Van Dyke show. Uh-huh. And that my other sister was going to be named Rosemary. Oh. <gasps> 
Um, but my father objected, didn't like that name, and she ended up being named Anne Marie. Anne Marie. Okay. So my other sister, she was originally going to be Rosemary. Shut up. But my father <laughs> nixed that idea. Where were we? we? We were talking about another sitcom. I we were talking oh yeah, about facts, of facts of life. That's there it is. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um. So anyhow, the the scene with Tootie and Fred ends with them kind of making a little piece, like him him softening. And flattering her. At, at the very end? Yeah. Are we talking about the very no, no, end? The, the scene. The scene. Okay. Yeah. It's him softening yes. and calling her foxy chick uh, and her kind of being like, well, you know. Yeah. Uh, then we move on to the next scene up in the girls' bedroom. And that's where Tootie turns on them. Starts getting angry. Yes. Starts. Yes. Natalie is practicing how to ask Alan to the dance on a banana. A banana. Well, there's an eating reference. There's an eating reference, but it is fruit. And it's surprisingly not a nectarine. (laughs) It should have been a nectarine. Because Tootie mentioned she had tried to paint still lives, but she couldn't because Natalie kept eating the, the nectarines. Right. So she should have been eating a nectarine. She should have been. Or... You should have seen her actually pick the banana out of the bowl. Oh, that the same was, bowl that would have been the still life. That would have been the still life. That precipitated Tootie having to turn to drawing fashion as yes. opposed to drawing fruit. Yes. Um, very good observation. Yeah. And then uh, Joe and Blair, frenemies now. We have had them sparring for three episodes. They're laying on the same bed, a little close together for the lesbians out there. Okay, well. Playing dominoes. Mm. So they're playing a game together. Mm-hmm. It's it's okay, fine. Dominoes, black and white. Ah, oh, and it's a black and white issue. Genius. You see, you got to look at the the genius deeper deeper message here. Wow. Mm. Tootie comes into the room, and 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 the girls are not in their uniforms anymore. So we know time has passed. Mm-hmm. This is probably like a weekend or whatever, and it is alluded to that Tootie has been seeing Fred. She's been hanging out at the candy machine a lot uh, and getting her peanut butter cups for free. And she walks in eating a candy bar, didn't she? I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, and she's been seeing Fred so much to the point that she missed the committee meeting uh. where they were planning for this big, important dance. And um, so she's like, oh, crap, I have to make that up to Mrs. Garrett. And I will point out, when Tootie is up on her upper bunk sitting there and the camera is showing the photograph she has around black women there are black women around her yes it's i don't know if it's supposed to be relatives or we know she has ancestors Uh we've learned that in an early episode earlier episode but the fact is it's like it's not like she has um scott bayo it's not like she's got (laughs) white girl farrah fawcett you and i had scott bayo (laughs) I had Linda Carter yeah, as Wonder Woman. Well, of course you did. Of course I did. Yeah. Um, I had Scott Baio. Um, as you should have. And Lisa Welchel. <laughs> yep. So Tootie um, is suddenly very hypersensitive to racial references. So um, somebody said, you better make up some type of a white lie to explain why you weren't at the mm. meeting. And she's like, really? Uh, why is the a small lie called the white lie? And I'm immediately thinking of... Um, Ellen Cleghorn as Queen Shaniqua, this character she used to do on Saturday Night Live back in the early 90s. And I immediately, I want to slip into that voice, so forgive me for um, how awful this is. But it's like, <laughs> she was like, so why is why is the white lie the small lie? And how what, what color is the big lie? Uh, Meaning, is it black? Yeah. And Blair comes in with, and she says, what color is a really 
lie where people die or a deadly lie. And Blair goes, plaid <laughs> to crickets. Yeah. That would have been a, writers, you might want to convene mm. and we'll do a reshoot and come up with another joke because yeah. that did not land. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, Tootie, Joe says, you're really, if Mrs., if you don't live up to what you promised, you're going to be behind the eight ball. Mm. Well, how come the eight ball is the black ball and when you're behind it, that is when Things are you bad. are in trouble. Yeah. And they're like, girl, what is up with you? Right. Jesus. So, um, Mrs. Garrett comes in and just to cinch the deal, she says, well, Tootie, you missed the meeting. We, we already assigned the decorations and we had to do it without you and without your input. Blair is taking care of the ceiling. Joe is doing the walls and you are doing the, the windows. windows. Was that meaning she had to clean the windows? I don't think so. I think okay. she was decorating them. But the implication is, like you would say to a, a servant of color, yeah. do the windows. That's, and yeah. it did not land. That was another joke. Uh, like I said earlier, the jokes that didn't land were some of these references, racial, racial yeah. tinged. And, and they are a, a skosh contrived. They're working hard to kind of make this happen and make it sound like Tootie might have a little reason to be sensitive. Mm. But yeah. So then we go down to the kitchen. Carl, the young boy with whom Tootie has won the dance contests in the past, right. is there. A young Scott Baio. A young Scott Baio. A lot of a lot of Glenn Scarpelli. I was yeah, I was trying to think of his name. One day at a time. One day at a time. Glenn Scarpelli. Glenn Scarpelli. Of, I thought it was him at first. Who's I was gay? like, did you know he's gay? Yes. yes. Yeah, he did come out later and stuff. I much heard him. later. Yes. Yeah. And um, but yeah, I when I first looked, I was like, God, if he doesn't look like Glenn Scarpelli, yeah. momentarily I thought it was him. But I thought like, it was him too. Yeah, and I just couldn't think of his name. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had a crush on him totally. Yes. <laughs> um, and since he's gay, I could totally have him. I heard he's a TV producer in Arizona. I have not heard anything. Yes. I remember it was some clickbait on, on oh. Facebook. And it was like, what are they doing now? Oh, what are they doing now? Click. And kind you, of. The, and it, yeah, and it fell was for it. Glenn Scarpelli. He's like a local television station sounds... in Arizona. And he's a TV producer. Well, good for him. And he's married to his yep. partner. He has, yeah, he has a husband and all yes. that stuff. Um, so he turned out okay. He did, all yeah. Right. For a young, for a young teenage child in a Norman Lear sitcom, he did okay. He did all right, like the Facts of Life girls. Um, so what we come up to is Mrs. Garrett for the comic relief in this scene is defrosting the fridge. Ah, my favorite. And my favorite joke of the whole episode. And while Carl is uh, starting, he's just there and ra like a teenager, raiding the fridge. That's fine. Yes. And Tootie is saying, I can't go to the dance with you. We can't enter the contest together. And he's like, why? Yeah. And she's like, and Tootie is not being direct. She's saying, I just can't. Yeah. And in between these, Mrs. Garrett, what did she say? Uh, my pork butt has freezer burn. <laughs> Is that is that your Charlotte Ray impression? That is. Everybody gets to do a bad Charlotte Ray impression. You're welcome. In, including me. Yes. I, I don't claim mine to be good. Okay. <laughs> is there such a thing as a good Charlotte Ray um, impersonation? Uh, uh, I would put up the punchy players. Okay. They're a, they're a YouTube uh, right. thing. 
And uh, and Paul Vogt, man. Oh, I'm sure. Yes, and he could probably do her and do the drag. Ver- like he could do he, the dress. He did. And the wi- oh, he did. He did. Yeah. Oh, on really? the rerun show. I can see him doing yeah. it beautifully. Yes, yes. he's I very talented, very funny guy. I yeah. I know his brother. I know Peter better than I know Paul. Yes. And I God. Which which one was the good looking one? Uh, they they're identical twins. Right. So, so Paul. Paul. Yes. Um. So Tootie basically bails on Carl for going to the dance. Yes. And Mrs. Garrett, in between her pork butt jokes, yes. is says to Tootie, what is going on? Why are you not yeah. going to, what is the deal? And she didn't butt in, pardon the, <laughs> she didn't butt in. She just listened. Yeah. And then when Carl was gone, then. And then when Carl was gone. And then the Tootie, wise ogre came over to talk to her. Uh, yes. And then Tootie has a little bit of a breakdown. Yes. Saying, um, I'm. I'm at here in a school as a as a black girl in a school that's mostly white. I don't want to grow up and not know who I am. Mm. I'm not going to do it. Mm. And then goes up the stairs like you do. Right. I we didn't have we had a one story home growing up and oh, I feel so like Left gypped, <laughs> gypped that you couldn't storm up the stairs. I did not have a set of stairs. And that is the commercial break. So uh, typically during the commercial break, this is where I do a little getting to know you and actually talk to my guest about about uh, you. Me. So, yes. um, Rob Zeiser. Hello. Performer sir. extraordinaire. Well, Let's performer. give me the quick mick tour of your life All as right. far as where were you born? Where were you raised? Yes. Where did you study uh, performance and what brought you to Orlando? All right. Well, I'm from Long Island. I was born in Oceanside, Long Island. And that's why you're so into Joe's accent and, and being well, like, it, okay, wait a minute. Wait a second. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is whenever I tell people that I'm from Long Island, the reaction 99% of the time is, oh, Long Island. Long Island. Right? And I used to like, like we don't sound like that. No. And then I went back to Long Island. I'm like, oh, my God, we do sound yes. like that. I had no idea. But yeah. being the trained thespian that I am, we learn. I have tried very hard to get rid of my Long Island accent. Mm-hmm. It does come out when I'm angry. Oh, yeah. Or drunk. I don't drink anymore. So that is That's... a very rare occasion. Even though me and my friend Randy, we have a pact uh-huh. on the day that Trump leaves office. Yes. We are getting drunk. Really? Yeah, that I'm getting drunk. Good for you. Yes. Atta girl. So, but I digress. <laughs> and um, so the Long Island accent hopefully is gone. And I've been told recently, I got into a heated argument with someone um, about a year ago. And he told me that when I argue, I'm very New York. <laughs> oh, I, I believe that about you. I believe that. So, uh, yeah, so I I'm born and raised on Long Island. Uh, after three years, uh, we moved to a little village called Northport on Long Island. It's on the north shore of the island, just mm-hmm. over the, the county line in Suffolk. Beautiful turn of the century town. Uh, it was a great place to grow up. Great schools, great little village, great community. Um but New York itself kind of was too expensive for me mm-hmm. and ended up on Long um, ended up in Orlando, Florida um, after a really bad winter, mm-hmm. 1997-ish. Okay. It was a real bad winter, and I called 
uh, someone who was working in talent casting at the time. And I said, do you have any jobs in Florida? He said, yep, come mm -hmm. on down. So I moved to Orlando, Florida, 1997. And I was in a my first show that I was casted at at Disney was called The Boardwalk Buskers. Okay. And it was a three-person physical comedy show because my background is... Oh, oh, I just jumped. I just jumped you ahead. You skipped your education, but I, I, we I were going to come back to that. Yes, I plan to. I, I, I went to Ringling Brothers Barnbilly Clown College. Yes. I toured as a clown for three years with Ringling Brothers. Mm -hmm. I developed a solo one-man comedy juggling act and toured the world a few dozen times mm -hmm. with that. I performed with circuses, cruise ships, festivals. Mm -hmm. I performed at... Um, on the Rockefeller's private yacht, I have uh -huh. performed at prisons and mental institutions and everything in between those things. You've performed for presidents and kings and you've toured the world. I've toured the world, I've, yeah. And I'm correct that you have been on, was it Johnny Carson? Uh, no, I was on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. With Jay Leno. Which okay. was a dream come true. When I, when I was young, I was eight years old, um, my dad had a friend of his appear on The Tonight Show. Oh. He was a jazz saxophone player. And that night that his friend was on The Tonight Show, I was allowed to stay up late. I was eight years old. Wow. And it was a big deal because this was a good friend of my father's and a yeah. big part of his life. And, and my dad was so happy and excited for him. And, and I can remember sitting next to my dad. My dad had his arm around me. And he said, mm -hmm. this man is Johnny Carson. This TV show is called The Tonight Show. This is, when you are an entertainer, this is the ultimate. This is mm -hmm. the crowning glory yep. of a career in show business. Yeah. Is what With, now, because Ed Sullivan is gone. Yes. It would have been Ed Sullivan 10 years before. Exactly. But yes. yeah, Johnny Carson, it Carson. was. Because also, nobody called it The Tonight Show. They called it The Johnny Carson Yeah, The Carson. Show. I'm going to watch Carson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So from that moment, that made such an impression on oh. me. That at eight years old, that became my goal. Yeah. In my life was to appear on The Tonight Show. Unfortunately, Johnny retired before I had the opportunity, mm -hmm. but I did appear on The Tonight Show with um, Jay Leno, and, and Jay Leno was a lovely human being, a mm -hmm. total pro, fun to be around. Um, yeah. he, he was there for rehearsal during the whole thing. Nice. Um, he was just like one of the guys. He was easy to talk to, friendly and fun. Uh, so much so that I didn't think it translated to when you watched him on mm -hmm. The Tonight Show on television. I didn't think it really showed how much he enjoyed his job. Oh, Okay. Like when you were there and, and everyone that worked for him were fiercely loyal and had been with him for decades. Yeah, yeah. When when someone got that job, he just treated his his crew so well. Yeah. And they adored, there was a reverence and a loyalty to to, John, yeah. to, to Jay Leno. That was very impressive. My, my only negative thought, I guess, during my Tonight Show experience was there was no mention of Johnny Carson. There wasn't even a photograph. Oh, there wasn't a tribute or... A, no, oh. nothing. The, the only thing was one of the streets behind NBC Studios was called Johnny Carson Way. Wow, that but, is interesting. But nothing in the studio Wow, had any reference to Johnny Carson. Amazing. I, I yes, I that that. It, other than that, it was an unbelievable experience. And, it was unbelievable. And your dad 
was able to watch you. My dad, it was the, the proudest my dad ever was of me. It's it, so beautiful. And, and when I went to visit him, the first time I went to visit him after appearing on The Tonight Show, he goes, yeah, right. you know, come into the office. I want to show you something. And he sat me down in front of his computer and he goes, you know what the clip you did on The Tonight Show appeared on this website and it was like oh. tvguide.com or something. Oh. And he made me sit there and watch the entire clip of uh-huh. my appearance. And he goes, and you were on this website. And we watched the entire clip. Oh, and you were on this so way. Sweet. He he had bookmarked every oh like every, that was your scrapbook. That That's, was it. That was him making a scrapbook that for was you, my like dad. a parent. That's and, a and, proud dad. Well, he was the one. Yeah, he, he, that told me if you're gonna have a career show business, you better you end up do on it. the show. That is so lovely. So it, it was fabulous. You got there, and that he was able to see it. That's oh, that's so yes. beautiful. It, it was great, and, and the whole experience of being on the Tonight Show was it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And two personal things I want to add that you have brought up number one is that when people say they went to clown college yes that is often a joke that you hear (laughs) often in shows it's often yes people do not understand clown college is intensive yes nowadays clowns are not just um funny people with spinning bow ties or balloon animals Eh. clowns are athletes now Eh. Eh. they are incredibly fit and do insane stuff And the amount of discipline that comes with clown training. When I came to Citizens of Hollywood with not that much interactive, some improv background, not really no interactive training in the theme park world, there was you and Joe Wesson. Yes. And Brian Weckerly. Yes. I think you were the three, right? Three clowns three at, at the... Citizens of Hollywood. And we were put in that small back dressing room together. That's right. Because you were... were clowns. Yeah. Because we, were... we could not mingle with <laughs> actors. <laughs> no, no minds. That please, was a Disney a... rule. Yeah. I think it's still. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I'm in that back room now, but it's oh. in a different role. Oh, okay. Uh, but the thing is, um, my discovery. My own learning curve of the only thing I have at my disposal is watching and learning from the people around me and absorbing everything I can and understanding their craft and their technique. Watching the clown people, the amount that I learned of how much discipline went into your act, your characters, your physicalities, you, your act that you talk about, it's a silent comedy act. Yeah, I don't talk. So Rob... For those listening, Rob does not talk. It's all physical comedy. Yeah. And to learn from that as a very overly, overly verbal person, yeah. I, I know that's a shock to a lot of people listening, but um, <laughs> <laughs> to learn that, to see people working from that side in that discipline, I feel like I learned so much and understood so much. And anyone who thinks that clown training... Yeah is a disparaging, is a lower level or a lesser form of performance training, they are sadly, sorely mistaken. Well, thank you. Um, Yeah, well, you know, the the interesting thing about Citizens of Hollywood, Steve Pernick, Mm -hmm. one of the actors that we worked with, he Never heard of him. uh, Yes. (laughs) Lovely man. Um, He he put it perfectly. The Mm -hmm. Citizens of Hollywood is a bag of tricks job. Yes. You show up, you go out to do a show, you open your bag of tricks. Yes. 
you do your bag of tricks, put it back in the bag and go to lunch. Yeah. And come true. back later and do another show. And and every you 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 say you didn't have a bag of tricks, but you do. You have you you know, there that was my training. Was yeah. the circus, was clowning. That was my training. Then you have your Terry Wards. Another mm -hmm. fine performer in oh his literal bag of tricks. And, yeah, and, and, and he is the magician with a capital M, world-renowned. Yeah, the best there is, and, yeah. and a sweetheart of a man. And then, yes. and then you have the Catherine Stillinger, and and you know musical theater background, and pageant and background, pageant that back, she brings to the table. Whatever your background is. Mm -hmm is in your bag of tricks yeah. at Citizens of Hollywood. And that just happened to be mine. Yeah. And I was in Guam for three years. I, I was just going to bring us to that. You recently Guam. returned to Orlando. Yes. You were gone for three years. Three years. You came back to do my podcast. Thank yes, you. Yes, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> but I was in Guam, and, and which is on the other side of the planet, yeah. literally. If you look at the globe, you look at Orlando, Florida, and you find Guam, it is pretty much directly opposite. On the opposite pole. Of, yeah. of where you're looking on the globe. It's literally on the other it side is, of the it planet. It is in the South Pacific, correct? It's, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's in between Japan and Australia. It's part of the Marianas Island chain. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's all I needed to know. Okay, you're welcome. <laughs> and and um, I was at a cocktail party in Guam. Mm -hmm. And I met this young lady. And she had no idea who I was or where I was from. And it was just a party, just someone to chat with. And yeah. out of the blue, she goes, oh, I just got back from vacation. It was conversation. It was a conversation starter. Yeah. She goes, oh, I just got back from vacation. And I said, oh, where did you go? And she goes, Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And I'm like, oh, really? How long mm -hmm. were you there for? And she goes, I was there for five days. And I said, what was your favorite park? Mm -hmm. And without missing a beat, she goes, oh, Hollywood Studios, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. And I said, why? And she goes, oh, my God, they have these actors. Yes. And they do shows on the streets. And she pulls out her phone and she she uh, is showing me pictures of yeah. Paige Turner and Dara Vam. Yeah, your friends. And, and, I mean, and my, she doesn't know who you are. My beloved citizens. <laughs> and I'm on, literally on the other side of the planet. Wow. And she's showing me pictures of her favorite thing out of all of Disney World of yeah. everywhere you the can go the entire resort because yeah. it's that lightning in a bottle yeah and that, the personal connections yes. that we are that is what our job is and yep. that's what we do and that's what um that we do well or at it, least we try to do the well. magic that's the that's magic. The, the capital m yeah. magic and, and you can't put it on a spreadsheet no there's no, no way i don't know no, how it's intangible it's intangible. it's intangible and sadly therefore uh, dismissible yeah. to people who aren't right there yeah. experiencing it. I am very happy that you are back. I After am back. Three years. Yes, three, three years Guam. It was a lovely experience. Um, but my contract was up. My and percentage in the company became permanent. That was the deal. I go for three years, mm -hmm. and then my percentage in the company become permanent. And then I was free to stay or I was free to go and I wanted to come home. That's I, I, Guam is a beautiful island it, I, with beautiful people, but it was never home. I don't think you will regret that on your deathbed. No. For one no, minute. I'm glad, I'm glad I went. I, I'm I, glad I went. I'm glad I was a part of it. Yeah. And I'm very proud of the work that and I did there. And I hope your return means that we get to work together again. I hope so too. So back to Tootie. Back to Tootie. The commercial break Tootie is over. Tootie and her <laughs> crisis of... Uh, racial identity 
And we come back and Natalie is thrilled because she did finally ask that boy, Alan, and he said, yes. Well, he laughed a lot, but he said, yes. yes. And Mindy Cohn, wonderful comedy timing. God. She was good. Beautiful. Was, they all were good. They yeah. were the standouts from season one. That's yeah. why they were brought back. Yeah. Um, Tootie is not happy. Uh, she says something about finding out who I am. My notes, which are copious, still sometimes don't don't do me any help. <laughs> nor, nor, nor do my skills of language or words. But the important thing is that Tootie brings out the dress that she has made for Blair. Blair. And it is not the Ampere waist with spaghetti straps. No, it's an African-inspired... Yes. And it is, it's actually, it is beautiful. It is red. It's got a lot of, got a lot of sequins on it. So I love it. Liza could have worn it. Sparkles. (laughs) So she um, has the dress and Blair is like, well, this isn't what we agreed upon. And of course, Tootie's like, is something wrong with it? Mm. Because it's an African dress. Mm. That's not how Tootie talks. That's how I badly talk. Um, And Blair is like, in fact, genuine. Blair says, no, it's just not what I was expecting. And she says, it is a knockout and I can't wear it, can't wait to wear it. Right. And she's, and Lisa Welch is a good enough actress that she does mean it. Yeah. I believe her. I believe Blair. Mm. And um, so what Tootie has, uh, I don't know if they're, um, basically Tootie has in the next scene, she has set up a little tea party with some other friends, with three other Black girls, mm. three other ladies, I should say, ladies of color. And um, so clearly Tootie is continuing on this path of, I need to know who my I, what my identity is, who I am, and I need to learn this through being with other people like me. And we have a shared experience. And she even says, well, you know, we're, we all should be friends and we should hang out more because, you know, we all come from the same place. <laughs> Baltimore. <laughs> yes. Great joke. And then Judy says, no, Africa. No, she goes, no, where we're from originally. Oh, I'm from Atlanta. You're from Atlanta originally? <laughs> That's right. But finally, it gets down to Africa. And one of the girls is like, I'm from Jamaica. Right. Now, granted, Jamaicans were also brought over from Africa too, right? Yeah. There's, there, there, Jamaica had the slave trade just as much as we did. My, my history is correct, right? Uh, forgive me if it's not. But the thing is... Um, the these three other girls and they're very nice they're very sweet and they're interacting there's nothing uh bad or wrong about this other than it's just we're we're kind of still four separate people with separate experiences um the writing here is very good Mm. in that it does set up some two of them start talking about well did you go out with that boy yeah i did the other one is an athlete so she's eating a lot and saying we should go for a run but it's too early in the morning for tootie um and then in a lovely moment blair and natalie come in to the scene and pop in and they're like oh hey you're here hi good to see you what's going on and blair says to the girl who's talking about the boy did you um did you wear that outfit I suggested? And she's like, oh, yes. And he loved it. And it very quickly, with a lot of good shorthand of writing, is like, oh, and these four black girls, including Tootie, are not sequestered off in their own space. Right. These, All of these girls are have together. lives and interactions with all of the others, including our own Blair and Natalie. Mm. And 
Natalie talks about the Latin club. And at one point, Natalie makes the black power symbol, the black power fist. And she paused, too. So I'm like, where is she going with yeah. this? Yeah. And talking about the Latin club, she goes, e pluribus unum. Mm. And it's a funny little moment. <laughs> um, but it's really uh, very nice. And um, Mrs. Garrett, event. the girls leave, they disperse, and then we have Mrs. Garrett and Tootie. Tootie says to Mrs. Garrett, I'm not sure we're clicking as friends. These other girls I tried to set up today. And Mrs. Garrett, wonderfully nurturing, is just like, you just, you know, you got to let them simmer like a, what did she say, like a soup or a... A pasta, a sauce, tomato. Like a, like a tomato sauce. You got to do it. So she's saying, you know, you can't force yeah. friendship. You, you know, you can find well, same Well, Dolly Parton has a song. Oh, yeah? Called, You Can't Make Old Friends. Oh, what a lovely And idea. Dolly is my diva. I know Cher is your diva. Cher is my diva. Dolly Parton's mine. Oh, yes. <laughs> And you can't make old friends. Yeah. It takes time. It is so it, true. It takes honesty. It takes a connection over years. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, then Tootie says that it is official. She is not going to the dance with Carl. She's going to the dance with Fred. Fred. And um, Mrs. Garrett is like, okay, that's cool, I guess. And then she says, you do know Natalie and Blair and Joe are a little upset. Because they feel like you're close, you're, you're their close friend, but you're pulling away from them and you don't necessarily need to be. And uh, Tootie does reaffirm that she is still conflicted about this identity crisis. And she says, Mrs. Garrett, what do I do? What should I do? And Mrs. Garrett smartly says, I can't tell you that. Well, she said my experience, the black experience wasn't my experience. Yes, beautifully done. Yes. And it's very nice. Yes. And then she comes in with that line about sometimes. She goes, sometimes when you're talking about black and white, mm -hmm. it's not so black and white. Yeah. And it's a beautiful moment. It is. And she played it wonderfully. Yeah. And, um, and she's got pork butt freezer burn. And pork butt freezer burn. <laughs> I just never forget. That was the name of my band in college. Yes. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the stage, pork butt freezer burn. <laughs> oh, God. And, and also, if I can point out, Natalie's Mickey Mouse shirt. Oh, did she have a Mickey Mouse shirt? Throughout the entire episode. Did not notice that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, we now come to the final scene of the show. The final finale. The big dance. No one told us it's happening in the cafeteria. Yeah. It's that one set thing. We had this issue with the dorm in season one where all the big events was in the dorm are happening in the living room of the dorm because mm. they didn't have another set. Yeah. At least, okay, cafeteria, big open space, put tables aside, I guess, and food, food available. We, we can, we'll give them this. If I was going to have a dance, that's where I'd have it. I guess. In the cafeteria. So Fred is there and Fred is like, what am I doing here? And Tootie's like, you're here because you're my guest. Yeah. And then Blair comes in in the gown. Looking lovely. Gorgeous. And even she says, yep, this gown, I look fabulous in it. She tells <laughs> us so. Um, for those of you clocking potential lesbianic overtones for Joe, mm. we have this hilarious, she's sitting there in a denim skirt. So Joe's at least got a skirt on. And a guy walks up to her and she just goes, what are you looking at? <laughs> and this beautiful, perfect time pause where the laugh dies down and then the boy just uncomfortably walks away. Yeah. 
And then another one walks up and she just looks at him and goes, keep on walking. Nerd. Nerd. That's right. And, and also and, her blouse was very uh, Little House on the Prairie. Very, it, yeah. That had, was the style then. Okay. It was fugly. Yeah. Yeah. Molly wore a lot of that shit in last right. season. Yeah. Right. Um, so we've got, you know, for those of you clocking the, is, is she or isn't she? This is a, this is a very strong tick in the she is column. Mm. Um, but the thing is. Okay, I, I didn't know we were keeping score. <laughs> oh, Matthew, Matthew Arder is. Okay. Matthew right. Arder is, yeah. yeah. Um, we do see Mrs. Garrett dancing and doing some jitterbug. Jitterbug. With, with some random man that we've never seen before. Mm. And I don't think we ever see again. No, and they don't tell us who he is. He no. just is there. Probably one of the writers, probably someone they just threw in. Or, or one of her pay. hookups. What a hey, Mrs. Garrett. And now. Yeah, if, if Tinder was a thing oh. in 1980. Yes. Yes. Um, so then, uh, Carl comes up to Tootie and says, Hey, last chance, five minutes to the dance contest. If you want to change your mind, I will still dance with you. We can still win this because they win a prize, even though Tootie was dismissive of the prize not being that fantastic. His and her Frisbees. Oh, you remember? I didn't remember that. Yes. So Fred is kind of getting a little macho here with like a why are you talking to my girl kind of an attitude. And Tootie's like, it's fine. It's cool. Carl, no, thank you. Fred, let's dance. Let's kind of break this up. And then we see Fred. Where we learn that Fred is a lousy dancer. Horribly. Horribly. Dreadfully. Terribly. Yes. And just in case you thought we might get through this episode without a racist comment... We have Joe pops in and she says another myth shot to pieces. <laughs> we had to back it up. I heard her say something yeah. and I was like, I didn't catch that. Did you? And you went, no. And we're like, we're backing it up. I'm like, I just know it was going to be something about black people dancing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Another myth shot to pieces. It's like, whoa, okay. Ouch. That's, and I mean, okay. At best, we will call that a stereotype, but we know stereotypes when it comes to race, they they live pretty much in the same neighborhood as racism. Right, right. And because you do have a wonderful sense of design, mm-hmm. David. it's the way of your people. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's a stereotype, right? That is okay. exactly. Uh, <laughs> and and I I often say, you know, I I'll preface things by saying I know this is a stereotype. I am a stereotype. Yeah. I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> um, now, hand me my purse. <laughs> I, I felt like the episode just kind of ended. Well, the thing is, they it culminates, it culminates in Fred. Yeah. I forget what makes Tootie say this, but Tootie is finally like, okay, enough. Fred is still pushing it. Fred is not having a good time. He's not being a good companion to her. Mm. So finally, Tootie says, stop it. At this point, I know who I am, and I can pick my own friends. I don't need someone to help me, and I think I'm good at it because I picked you, didn't I? Now, I'm going to enter the dance contest. I'm going to win with Carl, but then I'm going to celebrate with you. There you go. The crisis is solved very quickly, very concisely, and very late. Mm. But I think it kind of worked. I think it needed to kind of build up to this... I think it's one of those like, okay, I can't even have fun at a dance uh, yeah. with this guy. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be a wet blanket? This It's one thing to be pushing me and us having one-on-one conversations. But for him to be inhibiting 
just general enjoyment of social interaction. Mm. Enough. That was Tootie's straw on the camel's back. Well, the issue, it was his issue, not hers. Precisely. Yeah. And he made it hers. And not bad to question yourself, never. But the fact that it, you know, he got in her head a little bit. And as I said earlier, they're not wrong questions. They're very valid questions Mm. young uh, people of color should be asking themselves as far as the influence of, um, of white culture and white privileged culture and how it has influenced everything and how minorities feel about themselves. Right. Rob Zeiser, thank you so much for being here. Well, can we end on, um, you, I I used to always ask you to do this and I'm going to ask you to do what? Guilty. You, I Rob? never, I never saw the show. You've never seen. I, I've never seen you play the character. I've never seen it. But you, you do a a line, and and when you do it, you don't do it often. But when you do, it's perfectly placed, <laughs> and it always makes me laugh. I, I feel like Judy Garland. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm so terrible. Well, if horse. you want to give a little pretext <clears throat> in what you're about to say, this is from most people will recognize this. This is a line from The Family Guy, and. Let's set it up, and I will say thank you for being here. Thank you, and I hope you'll be back to do this again. Yes. And I am thrilled you got here. So let's end with, ask me uh, if I love the TV show, The Facts of Life. Okay. So do you like the show, Facts of Life? Guilty! You're welcome. (laughs) And scene. (laughs) And there you have it. That was Rob Zeiser. Always a pleasure when I get to hang out with him. And uh, after his absence in town for three years, it's good to have him home. I did look up something that we mentioned. Tootie says she has two brothers in this episode. And I checked Wikipedia so you know it's true. It does name one of her brothers Marshall. I forget where his name comes up. I will, of course, point it out when the time does come that we do hear about it. We'll see. That's what part of this journey is about, isn't it? And the other thing I have to say to my friend Peter Vote: no dis if there is the rarest of rare, bizarre, minuscule chances that you are listening You know that Rob and I were just joking. I'm sure you and your brother Paul have heard all of the twin jokes a thousand, kabillion, kajillion, a hundred times before. So just for the record, Peter, you know that you are every bit the smoking hot piece of ass that your twin brother Paul is. That's all for this week's show. Tune in next week for season two, episode five. This is an important one coming up. Cousin Jerry. My guest is going to be my friend and stand-up comedian, Jeff Jones. So that's going to be a really good time, and I can't wait. I'm not going to do the spiel this week. I do it every week. Go to facethefactspod.com. Check it out. There's stuff there. That's all I'm going to say. Until next week, thank you for listening to this show, and remember, the facts of life are all about you. (laughs) 